You are listening to a message from Mosaic Knox. For more information about our church, visit mosaicknox.org. Okay, so um, like I said, we're going to be talking about parenting as a vocation uh, this week. When Nikki and I committed to get married in 1995, we had little theology of marriage. And although we had heard about the scriptural mandate from God somewhere long ago in our childhood to be fruitful and multiply, we never heavily considered it when making the choice to say yes to spending the rest of our lives together. We did, however, know the pain of broken marriage and its far-reaching impact because we were both raised in broken homes which had led to the divorce of our parents. That cycle was then repeated, but with both of us living through the agony of divorce ourselves. Adding to that burden, I took into marriage terrible guilt, shame, and regret as a consequence of my estranged relationship with my then 13-year-old daughter, Michaela. What Nikki and I both knew for certain was that we did not want to repeat that cycle of suffering or inflict that pain on the baby we were expecting but had not actually planned for. That would be Caitlin. (laughs) Deep down, we were longing for a love that would last and a family that would thrive and bring us fulfillment. What What we knew little of then was that the desire to say yes to something beautiful was a whisper from our Creator and Father. He was inviting us into His greater plan to trust Him with our future and the future of our family. In our story, pain, disappointment, disillusionment and failure were signposts that led us to discover that God was with us and that he loved us. His plan for us was to be in relationship with him. He was inviting us to trust him as he blessed us and multiplied our family and made us fruitful over time. From the start, both Ken and I knew that we needed God's help to parent and love our precious Caitlin. She was never worked that hard. Before she was born, we agreed that Ken would go to work outside the home and that I would stay home as a full-time mom. Desperate to do the job of parenting well, I set out to learn everything I could about the job of parenting. Podcasts were not a thing then, so I listened to a lot of Christian radio, read books, and I called my mom and my sister endlessly with all my questions. And I just want to say I'm really happy that my sister Fran is here. Fran, wave to everybody. She's, she's my best friend, and she, I am the mom I am today in great part because of the wisdom from my sister, because I was desperate to know what to do. Thank you. You're um, So I was always in search of the formula for how to... Uh, get the job of mothering right. That was my main concern. How do I get it right? What I didn't understand was how much my identity was informing everything that I did. Not only was I a new mom, but I was also a very new follower of Jesus. Um, And I was learning what it meant to trust him and follow him. In those early years, I wrestled with constant guilt and shame as a result of my past life choices. The internal narrative that haunted me was that I didn't deserve love, and it was on repeat. My desire to love and care for Caitlin was there, but my internal motivation, the unseen undercurrent driving me, was that I was trying to make things right by doing right. I was trying to be good so that I could earn love and forgiveness. My view of God and his love for me was distorted, and so my desire to be a good parent 
was tainted by a subtle message that sounded something like this. You are loved if you do these things and if you become these things. So as a result, I didn't see um, parenting as a vocation or a calling. Without being fully conscious of it, I viewed my role as mom as a means to redeem my broken past. As part of the overarching storyline of the Bible, God includes work as a major theme. We see his work in the creation account and his desire to partner with us in bringing about order and beauty in the world for the benefit of others. This is important because work is not just self-actualization or self-fulfillment. God's plan for us is work, and following Jesus as such means that we say yes to actively participating in something bigger than us. We are called to bring about thank you, God's kingdom here on earth and here in Knoxville as it is in heaven. Over the past two church services, Wes has talked about our identity and the work we do outside of the home or inside the home as a calling or vocation and an act of worship. Today, we'll look at how we cooperate with God in bringing goodness and beauty to the world through the vocation of parenting. When Wes asked Nikki and I to speak to this, we were both thinking we were so glad that none of our children were going to be in the room. Wait, what? <clears throat> so Caitlin's got a lot of shout-out today, so we're going to just bring in Carly and Cammie, two of our other daughters over four who are sitting right behind her. Um, so we have all of our children together here in the room, which is a blessing. Um, we all look at parenting as a vocation. We will look at parenting um, as a vocation through the lens of three key themes, presence, purpose, and patience. In one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, after he had been raised from the dead, Jesus told his disciples to meet him on the mountaintop. This was a place that they knew very well because they had spent much time with him there and had experienced a lot of life together with him in that place. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 reads, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As parents, we are responsible for the protection, provision, care, nurturing, teaching, and guidance of our children, and probably about 150 other things. But we'll just stick with those for now. Jesus charges us to make disciples, and the task of parenting is never, parenting is never less than making disciples of them teaching them about God and modeling relationship and obedience to him and his commands. Parenting is a lot more than that, but never anything less. And Jesus promises that we will not have to do it alone. He promises us his presence. He promises that he is and always will be with us. John 14, 26 to 27 reads, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus promises to be with us in every life circumstance, every hardship, every disappointment, 
every hurt that comes with parenting. And every time our hopes are dashed, our good plans get thwarted, every time our children get hurt or sick, every time we feel helpless, and in all the joy, satisfaction, and pride when we watch them thriving. He is with us continually, inviting us to trust him in all of our moments. After many years of misunderstanding, miscommunication, and missing one another when conflict and family challenges arose, we became increasingly discouraged and desperate for change. We began to discover that parenting would also require cultivating presence, which is what we're going to be talking about. With one another, presence with one another and our kids in a way that was modeled to us by friends who were further along the path of following Christ and parenting. Observing their families stirred up great longing in us to have the kind of relationships and resilience that we saw in them and in their children. Ken and I were starting to become proficient at sharing the everyday duties and responsibilities of parenting, the doing of life that we called working shoulder to shoulder with one another. But being present with one another on a heart level, which we now refer to as working face to face, was was a practice that was very foreign to us at that time. By the time our three girls were in elementary school, I was desperately trying to understand what God's will was and how to obey it. And in doing so, I was also trying to prove my love for him. By now, I had heard the good news of Jesus over and over, and I was able to give intellectual dissent to and the knowledge and acknowledge my belief and trust in the work of the cross. I understood logically that his blood was shed and his resurrection meant that I was forgiven and made righteous and whole and clean in him. But I could not shake the feeling of loneliness, exhaustion, and shame, which caused great consternation and confusion in both my relationships and in my prayer life. One Sunday morning, I heard and took to heart the words from a sermon on Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. And it says this, the Lord, our, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You, t- you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. With all my heart, mind, and strength, what does that mean exactly? I didn't know it at the time, but these words would have a lasting transformational impact on my life and change my view of parenting altogether as I sought to meditate on them and to be obedient, even though I wasn't even sure how. For Moses and the Israelites, God had given them laws and the sacrificial system as a means to stay in right relationship with him. They were chosen to represent God to all the surrounding nations and they failed over and over to do that well. I can certainly relate to that. Since Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was the work that was done once and for all, bringing the sacrificial system into completion, I didn't need to add to it by doing any work of my own. In addition to understanding that Jesus' blood sacrifice was all that I needed to be made right, I was also beginning to tangibly feel his invitation to receive the grace and the mercy, his grace and his mercy, through my desire to love him. 
I wanted to love him with all my heart, not just my mind and my actions. God was after my heart. This was revolutionary to me. This truth gave me hope and became my true north. His gentle words were a healing balm that brought much needed rest to my soul. After sharing this newfound hope with Ken, we both determined to learn what it means to live wholeheartedly with God and with one another and with our children. We wanted to keep his commands in our heart and teach them to our children every day in our moments, just like the passage had suggested. Years later, when the girls were in the middle, in middle and high school, sorry, Ken and I became aware of a very crazy cycle of relating to one another and interacting during very stressful moments of parenting. In this, in this realm, when things got messy, I would pursue and make demands of him. I would want action, and I was very forceful at times because of many reasons, fear, wanting things the way that I wanted them, while Ken would withdraw and try to bring peace to our home. That's when we began to practice um, that's when we began the practice of presence, which was modeled to us by our friends. We would regularly check in with one another in an attempt to bring to the surface the undercurrents of feelings and desires, hopefully before the cycle, the crazy cycle hit, but sometimes even after the storm. Becoming aware of conflicting desires did not necessarily help us to avoid conflict. Conflict still led to ruptures and relational tension but now we had a new way of entering in with deeper understanding and love rather than avoiding one another or just out and out continuing to fight over what we disagreed with. This gave us a language to remind each other that we had an enemy and it was not one another. In fact, we used to practice looking at one another and saying, you are not the enemy. I mean, used to. <laughs> we still have to practice that. <clears throat> Those moments brought deeper trust and connection to our Heavenly Father and to one another as we clung to the gospel hope of reconciliation and repair. In the process of seeking understanding with one another, we were able to wholeheartedly ask for and receive forgiveness after confessing specific harm done as a result of our words and actions, fueled by the driving desires that led to our sinful responses. We all want things pretty much all the time. We make hundreds of choices every day based on what we desire and don't desire for ourselves and for the people that we love. Many of the things that we want are good and divinely inspired. Some are immoral and mundane. The way we engage with one another in order to get what we're wanting can either lead to healthy parenting and relationships or relational turmoil and confusion. Earlier, I told you that I wanted to be a good parent and I wanted to redeem my past. Functioning in this way kept me constantly at the task of doing and trying hard to make what was wrong right in my life. These unspoken desires, although good, positioned me to focus on the things I needed to do and the plans I needed to make, causing me to actually bypass all or altogether miss the relationships in my life, including Ken and our family, and also the most important relationship with God. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, 
The old has gone and the new is here. The good news of Christ is that he makes us righteous by his shed blood. And in him, we are becoming new as we receive his love and welcome our new identity while living into our calling and relying on the presence of the Spirit to lead us along the way. So our second key theme is purpose. In my story, I have experienced a lot of guilt and shame, particularly in the area of parenting. I had learned to protect my heart at an early age by shutting it down tight. Avoiding or ignoring feelings was a matter of survival for me, so I did what I knew. I worked hard and found my identity and what I was doing outside the home, mostly through work. Inside the home, where parenting was concerned, I wanted so many things, but did not know how to express any of them. I wanted relational connection, but lacked the understanding or language needed to move into this uncharted territory of relating to God and being attuned to my own heart, let alone the hearts of my family. I felt ill-equipped, inadequate, and always late to the game. My work was the place I felt comfortable, understood, and of value. I can honestly say I even blurred the lines of thinking my vocation of work and parenting were almost one and the same. Provision and protection of my children was wicked in my vocation of work. As if that was my role and calling as a father. In Genesis 1, God is very clear on what his desire is for the humans that he creates. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and rule over it. This is God's idea and God's intention, and it is not ambiguous. This is what God wants. He wants us to reproduce and in doing so to create families which will produce individuals who are raised to value work, creativity, and love for God and their neighbors. Those individuals will create beauty and goodness in their vocational calling, and they will in turn marry and have families which will form communities. This leads to a very, point point, a very important point for this and every Jesus-following community. Whether married or single, we are called to cultivate family as an act of service and worship. Whether you have children or not, you are called to serve and love the children who are part of this community and your, no, your own neighborhoods. And I think we've heard Wes call us to that several times from up here at the pulpit. Parenting requires time and attention. Taking the risk to be curious whether you have tots, teenagers, or fully formed adults in your life. None of us will do it perfectly. We will all fail at some level and in this call to parent, which is why we cling to the hope of the gospel. This is how God so lovingly and patiently was reforming my thinking and perspective about my purpose as a parent, that parenting is a vocation. Author Nicole Balsa says it so beautifully this way. 
As parents, we are placed into a divine equation. God's love through us to our children. God wants our children to be adored, educated, loved, disciplined, and encouraged. And he uses us for this divine task. He chooses us to carry out good deeds he planned in advance. It is our highest honor in all our vocations, church member, citizen, day-to-day occupation, whatever it is, we are lifted to a high degree. There is nothing below us. All tasks are above us because they are God's work. Martin Luther famously said that the angels rejoice in heaven when a father changes a dirty diaper. I found that rather ironic. Of course they do. Changing diapers is God's work. Doesn't this change our outlook on life? First, we are free from pleasing God. Second, we are also free from finding our value in the mere accolades of this world. What award or promotion could ever compare to the fact that we are doing God's work? Even if the rest of the world sees our work as demeaning or menial, God doesn't. Third, we are honored as God puts his mask on us to love the world. Who feeds the world, the farmer and grocer or God? The answer is yes. We are a part of God's economy of love. And the last thing we're going to look at is patience as it relates to parenting, which is a lot is required. So I want a lot of things. That's (laughs) a true statement. I want a lot of things, but guess what? You all want a lot of things, too. You just might not be aware of it. Most of the time, though, I want them on my terms. But I'm learning to open my hands and bring my desire for my family and friends to God moment by moment. It's a daily dying to myself and a process of patiently waiting for the Lord and actively praying and cooperating with his will and not mine. Thankfully, We've, as we heard earlier, God is with us. His presence is with us every step of the way. And he meets us right where we are. Tim Mackey says that what you hope for shapes what you live for. Christian hope is not based on circumstances. Christian hope is a vision of hope that keeps my heart and my mind alert to what God is doing in the world. And it has nothing to do with how well my life is, or my world is going. Living into our unedited reality, and this is really important. Wherever you are, it, you don't have to make your reality look different. You don't have to clean it up or make it look pretty. Our unedited reality is like where we find ourselves every single day. So living into our unedited reality and seeking wholehearted understanding with one another and our adult children is something that Ken and I are still in the process of learning to practice. And we are trying to practice this inside the home and also outside of our family relationships as well. Our hope for healing, restoration, and repair is alive, even as the thing of rupture and repair is going on. We wait for God and continue to trust that he is at work restoring and making all things new. It's what he promised. Patiently we wait, we wait, I should have thought better about putting all those things together. We wait patiently, <laughs> remembering 
that it is an honor to participate by bearing with one another in love while continually asking and extending forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. Patiently waiting involves praying for one another and bearing with one another in our faults, failures, and all of our diverse personalities. Psalm 3320 says this, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Early on as new parents, we thought a lot about what we didn't know. We thought a lot about what we didn't know. And we didn't know a lot, and we had therefore had a lot to think about. We were fearful and desired something, but yeah, that let that echo in a couple of times. <laughs> we were fearful and desired something better and knew that we wanted to be godly parents. What was first imperceptible to us, but always true, was that God was with us all along. He was calling to us, forming us, and over time reshaping our thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices as he fathered us and loved us and gave us what we needed just for each day. He met us right where we were while he was patiently moving us towards a renewed mind, healthy relationships, a satisfied soul, and an active faith. And obviously that's a journey we continue to be on as we learn what it means to be parents of adults. A whole new world. Please know this, wherever you are, you are not late. Wherever you are, as you seek God first, to know him, to love him, to partner and cooperate with him, and to love your neighbor and your family as you love yourself. He is at work redeeming and comforting us in our disappointment and disillusionment. He could do all of it on his own, but he chooses to call us. And in no small way at all, he does this through the calling of parenthood. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for your presence with us through your Holy Spirit, your purpose for us as parents, and your patience for us in our transformative walk with Jesus. Wherever we are in life, single, married without children, married with children, single parent, adoptive parent, foster parent, aunt, uncle, wherever we are, we know you call us to care for and make disciples of the children in our family. That is our vocation. That is our calling. We thank you for your presence that helps us when we feel lost and afraid. We thank you for your purpose for us. And we thank you for your patience and grace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want more information about our church, please visit us online at mosaicnox.org.